mātua whakapai i tau marae, ka whakapai ai te marae o te tangata. Clean up your own marae before trying to do the same for someone else. E ngā mana e ngā reo he mihi tēnei kia koutou katoa e are taringa mai ana ki tēnei hōtaka a te ahikā. I'm Justine Murray and this is Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National, our Kaupapa Māori programme, where we delve into Te Ao Māori, or the Māori world. You may have seen the ads on TV. Voyaging expert Jack Thatcher, he's standing on a waka with his two daughters behind him, and he's encouraging wahine of the importance of getting a mammogram, having lost his own mother to breast cancer at the age of 53. At Kinepuru Community Hospital in Porirua, Wellington, a new breast screening unit was opened by Māori Party co-leader Tariana Tsuria. Coming up later, I visit the unit and I talk to Dr Madeline Ward nor Terarawa. We're compressing my hand rather than my breast. Oh, you can do it that way. I have to stand here. Anyway. You can just stand a little bit that side at least. Okay, so this is the... Hang on, wait a minute. Okay, so this is the compression plate going down now. And this is a film being taken. And that's how long one picture takes, just a few seconds. Dr Madeline Ward, Robin Fox and Yvonne Clark from Kinepuru Community Hospital coming up later on in... When the music group Iwi was on the scene in the early 1990s, their messages of reinforcing your taha Māori struck a chord with us. Māori. So even though most of the members have settled down with whānau or taken on full-time mahi, it was good to hear that music is not far off from their minds. I talked to former member Keelan Ransfield from this year's Pau Pau Pau, the Māori music extravaganza, and he alludes to a few new music projects on the horizon. Yeah, on the music scene, Buzz, we, we just started out, we've got a new little crew put together, and we always, myself, I always wanted to put out more than just one CD, because I think we had a couple of kete full of waiata, and, um, and I think those waiata are still... Relevant for today's rangatahi and relevant to try and push messages that it's better fight being Māori and fighting to be, be Māori and tino rangatiratanga than what our, some of our kids are getting into at the moment is gangs, um, drugs, all those things that, are, that bring our people down. So we're back again with our message to promote positive messages to our rangatahi. Keel and Ransfield coming up later on in Te Ahika. In our regular segment, Te Wete Wete, this week we feature the book Māori Art and Design, Weaving, Painting, Carving and Architecture by Julie Palmer Pingili. Published by New Holland Press, Maraia Rakuraku talks with Ruben Friend, Māori and Pacific Art Curator at City Gallery, Wellington. Now, Ruben, I was wondering who this book is actually targeted at, because as I was reading it, it seemed to be too complex and detailed to be something that you just pick off a shelf and understand immediately about this world. Mm. And then it seemed to be maybe um, not detailed enough in some areas. So I was getting a little bit confused as I was reading it as to who the target audience is. Yeah, I kind of had that same feeling too as I was going through it. 
I have the feeling that she's written it um, in the interest of creating a kind of a resource for, I guess, maybe tertiary-level students of Māori art who are um, still wanting an introduction to these things um, and who may be aware of certain elements. But um, what I found really interesting about it was that um, it's been written with a real kind of Māori structure, so whereas a lot of the other introductions to Māori um, art and craft um, kinds of books, they'll, they'll miss out a lot of the stuff about the mythology and um, those kind of things that are tied up with the art forms and go into more of an anthropological kind of perspective of, of these art forms. So Julie kind of combines those two things. Okay, how? Um, um, so when she's looking at Tāmoko, even, even though it is only like a one or two page introduction to Tāmoko, she'll talk about um, the story of Mata Ora, who went down and um, received the, the knowledge of, of Tāmoko. And then she quotes Alison Best's story. He, he's probably got one of the most well-known um, versions of, recorded Britain versions of those stories. And then goes on to talk about like the, the instruments and other kind of practices pertaining to that. But then if you wanted to, you can go back into the glossary and um, into the index and those kind of things at the back and, and look up those stories. So if you were interested in finding out more about those stories, she's, she's put it there. So um, yeah, I had that kind of same feeling too, that it was kind of overly complex to be an introduction, but I have the feeling she's, she's writing it for a tertiary um, level um, student, I guess. And and with that, I didn't find it um, academically laborious, but I did find that it assumed a lot of insider knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I I had the same same feeling when I was reading it too. Another thing is, if you're, I kind of thought about it is that um, a lot of the stuff has already been recorded, and if you were really wanting to get in depth knowledge of um, you know, fibre and, and woven arts or the poi, you'd go and read Ngāmuni Huata's um, book about poi and, and dārang and, you know, you'd go and get those kind of books for a, a decent, well, not decent, but, you know, a fully... Um, comprehensive. Comprehensive, yeah, review of, of those kind of um, those kind of things. But I, I, in saying that, you know, coming back to that first thought, that it is written for tertiary-level students who already do perhaps have a certain knowledge of it. And thinking about that, she was a student with uh, at Massey University and um, at the Māori Arts Department in Palmerston North where um, she did her Master's degree there. And they do have a really comprehensive um, Māori Arts program there. Uh, but I mean, then again, a lot of the readings that you're doing aren't necessarily written by Māori um, artists or historians. So I think she's trying to fill in some of those gaps and trying to produce like a, a, a piece of writing that has, I guess, a Māori structure to it. Yeah. You know, another thing I found, uh, I found this a little frustrating, where uh, the pictures often didn't match the text. So uh, in one of the chapters where she talks in detail about um, raranga weaving, uh, I found myself getting frustrated because she was describing in detail what you do, but I could see a reader perhaps getting lost with that because you'd want to see what it looked, you know, I'd want to see, like, pictures of what it looked like, but then I thought, well, this isn't a manual. Yeah. 
but I did kind of think, um, I did find that a little frustrating that at times um, the text would talk about something and the pictures wouldn't, or the photographs wouldn't necessarily reflect what it was that she was talking about. Yeah, I, I felt like felt like that too quite a, um, a few times throughout the book. It would have been nice perhaps if if she did expand on some of these areas that she talks about because actually the Raranga um, chapter is probably the the most researched. A lot of them are quite uh, basically like one page per kind of item, but the Raranga, the weaving, Kurawai um, one is one of the, the chapters where she can tell she spent a bit more time. It would have been nicer perhaps if, um, if she either spent more time, but then it might be the kind of thing that she might be looking to follow up the book with um, more in-depth research onto each of these areas, so that might be interesting to see if she does do that. Because in some ways they seem to be like short, descriptive essays, eh? Yeah, it, it does kind of seem like that, and you do need a bit of kind of previous knowledge to, mm. to be able to get into the book, so... Um, yeah, I don't think it's it's like the introduction for a person who's completely new to Māori art. I mean, Ruben, would it be right in saying that, you know, maybe it's hard to find something new to write about this subject? Um, if you're looking at customary art forms, I, I think you probably would be. You know, if you're looking at art forms made before 1900, then um, there has been a lot of research. I mean, Roger Nish... Um, has written many books, Hidden in Mokumid. Um A lot of historians have, have gone back and, and recorded these. And, and basically what she's done is picked out key, um, well, things that she has seen keen to each of these art, various art forms and taken writings from Roger Nish and Alston Best in them and, and included it into each chapter. Um, but then I think what she's tried to do is present it with a Māori kind of context, so she hasn't separated the mythology and like the spiritual elements from the art forms, and so it's not just like an anthropological kind mm. of ethnologist kind of perspective on, on Māori arts. It's, it's presented from within the culture, so I think she's trying to fill that gap. And it is neat how there are random whakatauki included in the, within the text that just... Uh, uh, emphasise a point she's just made or it's placed in such a way that you don't even notice that it's some a completely different um, format. Yeah, well that's part of that. They're presenting it in a Māori way. So there's another one that talked about the Tōtara being the great forest of Tāne that's fallen. Kahinga te Tōtara o te wao nui a Tāne in the chapter about Whakauro. Talking about the great Tōtara that has fallen so that... Um, we could build wako or they could build a marae and those kind of things. So it's really trying to present it with a Māori perspective. Although it would be interesting to see if um, books like this with uh, the emergence of the kohanga reo generation, second and third generations now, if, if these kind of books could be um, written completely in Māori. Yes, that, that's something else I noted. I, th- I kind of thought, given what she's talking about, why there wasn't more reo in the book or why, yeah. or why it wasn't presented with more reo. I guess we're just not at that stage where there is enough fluent people for a book publisher to invest in that kind of writing. Maybe maybe in another ten years' time and when there is enough people, you know, fluent speakers and people who will consume and or purchase. And who are within these kind of disciplines. And even 
um, written in English, I still think there's going to be a real niche market for a book like this. I can see a lot of the, the universities kind of snapping them up for their first and second year students. Um, but I don't see it being uh, hugely popular and, and kind of mainstream. And that's because of the insider knowledge there, huh? There's already a lot of books out there about, you know, a real kind of broad overview of Māori, Māori art and craft from pre-1900s. There were a couple of interesting things right at the beginning, Ruben, that um, perhaps you could explain. And that's when she talks about the way in which Māori art is viewed. She made a, a really interesting statement about time, about how we view time. Just before I get to that, um, I, I do like how she explains that Māori art and design is just the, the, that title as a real kind of Pākehā concept, that the word art doesn't exist in Māori and, and neither does design really. Yeah. And she does talk about a lot of the carvers in the olden days wouldn't even draw the carving onto the wood, they'd just see the image in there and then bring it out. Yeah. Um, and so she explains that in the start that this is presented from basically a um, a post-colonial kind of perspective of what Māori art is and kind of dissecting it like that. Um, but there's a really well-known um, kōdoodle that we often talk about where Māori are seen to walk backwards into the future. And so we refer to um, behind as the past. And, and if, you can if people can understand it as um, we can see the past because it's happened, but we can't see the future. So in that sense, we walk backwards into the future. And so she talks about, uh, well, she doesn't actually reference that um, that idea in the book, but that is like kind of how Māori perceive uh, time. And then she talks about Māori, in terms of Māori art, that it's, it wasn't separated into areas or like uh, movements of growth, eh? Where in a Western sense we we view um, periods of art to have certain characteristics, where Māori art was just kind of evolved yep. and was always basically a negotiation with modernity. You know, so whatever environment, whatever the issues were at the time, the Māori art was always engaged with those issues and always developing and adapting um, and evolving to those um, yeah to whatever the environment and social situation was of the time. So I, I kind of um, when I talk about Māori art, I, I always, um, when I'm talking about it at City Gallery Wellington, um, as a curator, I always kind of um, have a bit of trouble when when people are trying to compartmentalise um, contemporary art. So um, people often talk about con contemporary Māori art being stuff made from around about the 1950s uh, up until now, and then even in those last 60 years there's been people who have been trying to categorise those periods of movements and she, she does acknowledge that um, but then in saying that she has still gone and divided up these periods of development of art and she's used Hidenimoko Mead's periods of development then she's used an archaeological um, set of dates um, looking at like the development of Māori society and and how that transferred over to Hidenimoko Mead's um, periods of Māori art and design. Um, so I like that. So it's got like a the archaeological perspective and, and still kind of a Māori perspective of it. Would you recommend it? The book? Yeah. Yeah, if, um, 
if there's anybody there who already does have a bit of knowledge about Māori art and is wanting to to learn um, a bit more, I think it's a really good, um, I guess it's like the next step after you've had your kind of basic introduction. And then if you want to, you can um, always look up her references and then go over further. But it wouldn't be something that you'd have as a standalone text day. This would be something that perhaps you'd have in your library building on other texts from Hedney Mukulmead yeah, and yeah. other commentators. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Kia ora, Mariah with Ruben Friend reviewing the book Māori Art and Design, Weaving, Painting, Carving and Architecture by Julie Palmer Pingili. And to check out our previous book reviews, you can go to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. You just need to click on the link. Te wete wete. Kia ora koutou, what's happening? It's your boy Awa A to the WA representing Nisha Mystic. You're listening to Te Ahika on Radio New Zealand National. Māori and Pacifica women are now called Priority Women under the national programme Breast Screen Aotearoa. And that's because there are more Polynesian women dying from breast cancer than Pākehā. A new breast screening unit was opened by Māori Party co-leader Tariana Turia at Kenepuru Community Hospital about two weeks ago. The hospital is in the Porirua Basin, north of Wellington. Earlier this week, I paid a visit to the unit... And what better way to find out more about this disease than to talk to three women who are involved with it on a daily basis. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National, uh, Ka, and I'm uh, this week on the show we're talking about um, breast screening, breast screen Aotearoa, and what better way to talk about the kaupapa or the issue than to actually get in amongst the people who are involved with it 24-7. So I'm here at Kinepuru Hospital, if I could just get you to introduce, introduce yourself, please. Uh, ko tinana te waka, ko taumatumahoe te maunga, ko te paki te awa, uh, ko te raroa rau ko te aupauringa iwi, uh, ko inei oku hapu, ko te taha oai, ko ngati te au, ko te uri ohina, uh, ko te raroa te marae, um, ko Madeline Motaku ingoa, Kia ora koutou to all the listeners out there. Uh, ko Robin Fox, tōku ingoa, ko tōku maru tuaka, ko Urunui te awa, ko Taranaki te maunga, ko uh, Urunui uh, uh, ki uh, Ngāti Mutunga te iwi, ki Wharikauria hau, uh, nō reira tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Kia ora koutou. Um, I'm Robin Fox, a lead health promoter acting at the moment for Regional Screening Services, Hutt Valley D- District Health Board. Thank you. <laughs> Kia ora. Um, Madeline, if we could start with you, please. What is it? What is breast screening? Uh, breast screening is a national programme that was set up in, or started in 1999 to screen women aged now uh, 45 to 69 every two years with a mammogram and the intent is to be able to pick up small breast cancers before they can be felt in order to treat women and therefore save their lives. Saving Prevent lives. Prevent them dying of breast cancer and that's the role of breast screen Aotearoa. How rampant if I can use that word, is breast cancer in Aotearoa? 
Um, breast, cre breast cancer is the most common cancer to affect uh, women in general. For Māori women, it's the second most common cancer, second to lung cancer. The important thing for breast screen Aotearoa, though, is that although um, breast cancer is only slightly more common amongst um, Māori and Pacific women than it is for um, Pākehā women, Māori and Pacific women are much more likely to die of breast cancer if they get it than Pākehā women. And that's particularly because of later diagnosis of breast cancer and treatment. Therefore, a programme like Breast Screen Aotearoa has the potential to remove that disparity to actually save more Māori lives than it does even for screening Pākehā. And that's why Māori and Pacific women are priority women for the programme. So when I talk about uh, um, a greater likelihood of Māori women dying of breast cancer if they get, that, get it, that was before the programme was set up. So if you took 100 Pākehā women, this is before Breast Screen Aotearoa, um, who had breast cancer and were tr um, treated all on the same day, and you followed those women for 10 years, at the end of 10 years... 78 of them, of those 100 women, would still be alive. So 22 of them would have died. If at the same time you had had 100 Māori women who were diagnosed with breast cancer and, followed, and they were treated as well and followed them for 10 years, at the end of 10 years only 55 of them would be alive. So 45 would have died. So that's a big difference in the likelihood of dying of breast cancer. And it's not just due to um, those Māori women being poorer. We know that there's a difference in survival because of being poor, but it is because they're Māori. So ethnicity makes a difference to whether you live or die of breast cancer when there is not a screening programme. If you put in a screening program as we have done and we can screen those women, we can get rid of that difference and we can significantly reduce the number of women who are going to die of breast cancer. So how breast screening works is not by stopping people getting breast cancer. There is nothing that we can do to stop women getting breast cancer. But what it does is... Uh, allow us to pick up that breast cancer early at a stage where it can be cured. So there would be, I mean, obviously signs when a lady has her mammogram and you can catch it early. There are signs on the mammogram, but the woman doesn't know that she's got it. She can't feel a lump. She can't see anything wrong with her, with her oob. You can only see these changes on a mammogram in most cases. Mm. Robin, if we could bring you into the um, corridor, please. What is your role with Breast Screen Aotearoa? <clears throat> I'm acting lead health promoter for regional screening services covering breast and cervical screening. Um, so essentially my role is to promote out in the community and um, 
the awareness of breast screening and also to engage um, our community workers out there as well to raise the awareness amongst our Māori women. And um, we uh, work alongside Manawahini, which is uh, um, based out at Kōkiri um, Marae there at Seaview, and um, work out here in the community here in Kinepuru through Oratoa Marae Roa Marae Health Clinic and also um, various other community links here in, in, this, in this particular area. So essentially our role um, as health promoters, I have three uh, uh, three full-time health promoters that cover through from the Wairarapa through to uh, the Kapiti Coast, also all of Wellington and Lower Hutt. So we've got a huge job out there to, um, to take the message out to our wahini really about um, uh, the importance of being screened and uh, and to come into this wonderful facility that we've uh, now got here in Kinepuru, particularly for all our um, Māori women here, based in this area. So your role, um, was it, when you had the mobile unit, yes. were you actively um, part of, of going around yes. to different yes. areas? Yes, essentially wherever the mobile area is, the health, promoter, health promotion team goes out and um, promotes within the area prior to the mobile being here to engage women and um, just to invite them. Uh, well, essentially we don't do the invitations, but to work within the primary care providers to its medical centres out there to invite women into screening when the mobile bus comes in. So we assist by transporting women, um, just really to being a total call to them to um, be there for them and really just to bring them into the mobile because it's, it's quite a scary experience for a lot of our women out there. So Robin, would you visit homes? Yes, we do home visits. And, and we knock on doors and um, essentially, um, yeah, we, we visit, um, we do home visits, we do education sessions within the community uh, through our health promotion team and um, transport women into the screening um centre if they need to, whether it's based here, whether it's the Hutt Valley or Wellington or wherever, wherever um, health promotion covers, we, we will be there to assist our women into screening. So I would imagine a, a, a part of your role would be to, you know, manaki and uffy these women who are a bit intimidated or, or, of going for a mammogram or even give, getting past obstacles that... There's a lot of obstacles, of course, that we face as um, health promoters, and and, um, and our Māori women have a lot of questions around what's what's happening, and it's quite, a, as I said, a little bit of a scary scary experience for them, but it's our role to actually just affi them and to, um, you know, just reassure them that it's um, it's not that it's not as scary as as it, as it seems, but. Um, we would encourage our women just to continue on to uh, to be screened because we can get them in the first time, but we really want them to continue on, as Dr. Maddie Ward um, uh, spoke earlier, that it's uh, that, that continuation of ensuring that uh, our women are screened regularly on our two-yearly two routine screening. My name's Yvonne Clark. I'm one of the radiographers at Breast Screen Aotearoa, based at the Hutt Hospital. I've been doing mammography for approximately 12 years now, and I've been a radiographer for about 30, so that makes me um, <laughs> experienced. So what was the title again? Mammographer. Mammographer. I'm a radiographer, so I have um, trained in doing x-rays, and now I have specialised for the last 12 years just doing mammography, which is basically taking breast x-rays. Um, so and breast screening is... Um, 
one of the aspects of doing mammography, and it's a very important aspect of doing mammography because we're basically x-raying well women and encouraging them to come and take charge of their own um, health and to be... Um, to be... <laughs> in, charge country, me, in charge, yes, yes, to, to look after themselves primarily because if they don't look after themselves, they can't be carers for anybody else. And I know how important it is, particularly in, um, in, in the Māori and the Pacific Island community, that the women are first and foremost carers. And if they don't look after themselves and their own health, they can't carry that on and look after their mokopuna. So I think it's very important that they um, take up the services that are offered and I can understand that it is it can be scary, any unknown is scary and hopefully we, particularly after the first time with the service that we offer, will encourage them to, to come back and that's the big thing is Robin and Dr. Wall have said is to come the first time, but to continue to come. Um, that's the important thing because it's not just a one-off. It's yes. it's a it's a, it's a screening. So it's the same as cervical screening. You, you need to do it as part of your routine health checks to come. In our case, every two years when you're invited, and with cervical screening every three years. So, Yvonne, if you could explain the process. Just paint a picture, if you will, when the lady walks in so to get your So when the lady walks in, they normally have had a couple of forms to fill in, and that's just a basic little health question, etc. They can always ask us questions when they're in the room. So I get them into the room and get them changed. They normally undress down to the waist. We offer them a korowai, which is like a cape, to put over them, and then they come into the x-ray room, and we normally do... Four films. So we do two side films, which are called mediolateral obliques, and we do two front films, which are called coned compression views. No, they're not. They're called craniofemurals. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like Shorten Street terms to me. <laughs> and that's fine. So we do. We basically do two front views, two side views. That's the important thing. They're on a X-ray um, plate. It will be uncomfortable, and nobody would say that it's not uncomfortable, but it doesn't hurt. If it hurts, then there's something wrong. Either we're not doing something correctly, we've either got the wrong position, or there's tension, so we need to just start again and just converse with the lady. It is uncomfortable, but it doesn't hurt, and it doesn't take very long. I mean, you're in and out, basically, of the machine within about two, three, four minutes at the most. So I'm at Kinepuru Hospital right now, and uh... so basically what happens is, so they'll come to the front desk. <laughs> so I'm following Yvonne right now at Kinepuru Hospital. So what happens is basically, the woman will come into wherever we are screening, in this case, and then just report to the reception desk. They have normally been sent a form to fill in. They give that to the receptionist and then they're asked to fill out another form. Basically, the second form that they fill in is just a a very simple questionnaire on their current and past breast health Mm -hmm. in that. 
when we are in the room, we as the mammographers have a quick look at the form and if there's any question that's been ticked as a yes, we ask them about it. And it could be anything from, say, um, previous history to an abscess. They could have had previous breast cancer history, family breast cancer history, um, an abscess. It could have been a cyst. Um, so we just question them and, and make notes if it's, a, if it's appropriate. Yvonne, could you please describe where we are? So we are now in the x-ray room. There is an x-ray machine. It has two sizes of what we call an x-ray plate. A because each woman, as we all know, everybody's got a different body shape, different breast shape, different so breast we have to, to accommodate our different breast sizes. Um, and at uh, the present screening site, we don't actually see our x-rays. We do what they call blind screening. You just take the x-rays, and then they all get transported back to the hut for processing. Um, when the woman comes in, we take them into the changing cubicle. We ask them to undress down to the waist. We ask them if they would like to put on one of the corowai with the opening down the front. So this is the corowai. It's just a little cape, different materials. You pop it round you like a cape. Some women, in fact, even though you tell them opening down the front, they come with the opening down the back, and that's fine. So you just say, nope, we need to just swing that round so we can actually do your breasts. So they do that. So we have this round them, tucked in like that. We ask them to come to the machine. Before we start anything, we check that what their name is and their date of birth. That is just to make sure that the paperwork I have corresponds to the particular woman. Once that's all sorted out, I'll have a, have a quick look at the form. I will have asked them if they've got any, even if they say no, they don't have any problems, I still ask, do you have any problems with your breasts currently? And the majority of women will say no. If they say yes, then I'll ask them what it is and continue to x-ray. Okay. So they come to the machine. It's positioned. We will do, I'll explain that we will do four films, two on each breast, two front views, Two side views. Mm -hmm. So you position them in, you put this down, and then you use your foot pedal, and it just comes down. That's what they call compression. So basically you are just putting some pressure on the breast, squeezing. You need compression for a number of reasons. Primarily, you need compression to stop any movement. The second most important reason is, with compression is, and you need a reasonable amount of compression, is to any overlying breast structures and nicely separate it out. So if there's anything going on, we can see the entire breast. If we don't do reasonable compression, we are not doing the woman a service coming for her mammogram. Yes. Because if there's anything overlying, we're not going to see it. So it needs to, you need to experience that uncomfortability. Needs, yes to get yes. it. It should be firm enough that we have a nice compression, but not that tight that it hurts. Yes. Yeah. And that compression's only on for a matter of a few seconds. We're compressing my hand rather than my breast. Oh, you're going to do it that way? I have to stand here. Anyway. You can just stand a little bit that far. Okay, so this is the... Hang on, wait a minute. Okay, so this is the compression plate going down now. 
and this is a film being taken. And that's how long one picture takes, just a few seconds. So, um, Dr Ward, you wanted to talk more about the, the fear and pain issues? Mm. It's interesting, when the programme first started up, we did a survey of a whole lot of women to find out uh, what it was that, that stopped them coming along to breast screen. And at that stage, for Māori women, one of the big fears was a fear of having the mammogram. We followed up on that a number of years later and found that that's not so much an issue anymore. And as as you heard, it's a very brief amount of time that the breast is actually compressed. Uh, surveys have shown that most women find it uncomfortable, but no more uncomfortable than going to have a blood test, and nobody stresses too much about having a blood test. About 5% of women do find it painful, but as Yvonne said, um, there are things that you can do to make that less painful, um, and that's particularly about making women feel really relaxed. The major fear that people um, that we found women had with that second lot of surveys was the fear of having a breast cancer diagnosed. Yes. And the interesting thing about that is that breast screening doesn't stop you getting breast cancer. If you're going to grow a breast cancer, it's just going to happen whether or not you have breast screening. But the advantage of breast screening is that we, if we find that breast cancer early, then it can be treated and that woman has a really good chance of surviving a long period of time of, in actual fact of being cured. So she's around to look after her mokopuna. Um, and that's the message that we try to get across now is that... Um, is that breast screening makes no difference as to whether or not you get a breast cancer. What it makes a difference to is whether you survive it. Mm. Um, yeah. Dr Ward, let's talk about the age group. Is it 45 to...? It's 45 to 69. Our target group is 50 to 69-year-olds. Um, there's very, very good evidence that um, breast screening in this in that age group is exceedingly effective. For women under 50, um, there is some evidence that it's effective, but it's not, the evidence is not as good, and the, um, the likelihood of it reducing a, um, a breast cancer death is less than in women over. 50. The majority of cancers occur in women. Breast cancers occur in women over 50. You just, you know, you hear some, some, well, some um, stories that I've read that, you know, mid-30s women can develop breast cancer. But what you're saying is breast cancer is going certainly, to happen anyway. Certainly in the media, the stories that tend to hit the front pages of women's magazines are young women with young children who have breast cancer, but they're the least common the most most commonly breast cancer affects women after the menopause. Right. Mm. It's just it makes a better story to for journalists to to yep. show young women with their kids around them and 
looking yeah. beautiful as opposed to old women like me who are wrinkly and Dr. Ward, what do you think of the promotions on TV at the moment? You know, you see those cool promotions with um, Māori woman or Pacifica woman getting together in the van. There's 10 of them going to do that breast screening thing and, and supporting each other. Do you encourage that? Uh, do you think uh, there's a, a lot of promotion out there for Māori and Pacifica women? Yes, I think um, there's been health promotion and really it's Robin who, who should talk about about this. I th- um and there has been that tautoko and the ability to do block bookings throughout the country um, on and off. I think um, what we found was, again, uh, with surveys, that women were saying, why don't you just send us an invitation? Um, and one of the problems for breast screen has been that we've had, had a list of women that we knew about out there to invite. So there's been a lot of work going on um, in with the different providers because Breast Green Central is just one of the eight yeah. regional providers around the country. Um, working through GPs, for GPs to identify the women who are between, who are between 45 to 69 and getting them to offer an appointment to breast screening through the GPs. And I think Robin would tell you that that's been, certainly been a very successful initiative here and that um, breast screening coverage, particularly for Māori, for Māori women, mm. has increased significantly since that's been done. And we've known that the, the programme overall, that in um, Christchurch, in fact, two-thirds of the South Island, they were doing this uh, invitation through GPs and that had been an, an extremely successful initiative um, to actually identify women and then with health promotion um, encourage and provide support and tautoko in order to get to allow women to get to um, come along to screen. And this is the, the advantage of opening the site here at Kinapuru. Um, is because up until now, local women had only been able to access local breast screening services whenever the mobile van came here, which was about three months every year, Robin. Um, But now this service is going to be here within the area um, every working day, so from 9 till 2.30, Monday to Friday, um, it will be available to local women. And we know that this hospital is very important to the people in the Purirua Basin because there's been a lot of concern from the community about maintaining services at, um, at Kinapuru. And so they have a, a real sense of this community, has a real sense of ownership of their hospital. So it's a great site to put in an extra service breast for them because this is their place. Um, yes, uh, essentially that um, for health promotion we we uh, we engage um, Manawahini, which um, five other providers that they um, also engage into breast screening, and uh, that's uh, Faiora Fanui, which is in the, uh, Masterton, based in Masterton, uh, Pai. Ahora Tupai, sorry, up in uh, the Kapiti Coast in Paraparaumu. Um, Ora Tor here in uh, Takupuwa here, which is in, uh, based at the Marae, uh, Marae, services, Marae Health Services here in Porirua. 
um, to Tahi Bay and Waitangi Rua. Um, at Waitangi Rua, we have um, Marae Rua, Marae Health Services, who also um, do um, support and um, educate in breast screening as well. So all these providers are, and also not forgetting Kōkiri um, Seaview, which is uh, where the main um, Manawahini base there, uh, out at Seaview, who do um, a lot of education and raising the, raising the awareness of our breast screening too for our wahine out there. So all these providers are essential to our um, to supporting us in Breast Screen Central to get our, our, our women into screening. So they transport as, as well as our health promotion team at Breast Screen Central uh, in support and just um, uh, they come along with women who who um, may not have whānau there to, to support them and they'll bring them in and um, see them through the whole process. And what I'd like to encourage is that for our, our wahine out there, if they're coming into Breast Screen Central, that they do feel that you are able to bring in your whānau for support because that's really important just to be there for you and yeah, just to um, come along and just to tow-talker you in, in the, into the service. And if you don't have any whānau here, then certainly ring one of the health promote, promoters out at uh, Breast Screen Central on the 0800 free phone line, which is 0800 270 200. And they'll be more than, welcome, uh, more than happy to come in and support you and, and to transport you if you need to. So um, that's essentially what we do as a health promotion team. And um, you talked earlier about um, priority woman bookings and the advertising that's on the television, which has made a huge impact to, I think, coverage overall for Breast Screen Aotearoa. Kia ora. Thank you so much, ladies, for your time. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, Wahine Ma, Dr Madeline Ward, Robin Fox and Yvonne Clark. And if you'd like to find out more information about Breast Screen Aotearoa, head to our webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash teahika. I'm Justine Murray and you're listening to Teahika. Last night, the annual Te Wakatoi Awards were held in Wellington. The awards recognises ngā kuia minga kaumatua who have contributed to te ao o ngā toi Māori, or the Māori arts world. Coming up in the next few months, Mariah and I will feature interviews from the night. But in the meantime, anei nga tohutohu i riro mai ki inei o ngā whānau Māori. Here's a list of the recipients. Te tohu aroha mo te arekinui Dame Tia Tairangi Kahu, Te Wakatoi Exemplary Award, went to Dame Kiri Te Kanua no Ngāti Parau, Ngāti Mania Poto. Past recipients of this award have included Witi Ihimaira, Iri Tanata Fifirangi and Sir Howard Morrison. Nā tohu a tā Kingi Ihaka or the Sir Kingi Ihaka Awards this year, the recipients were Wirimu Ka, Rawa ko Josie Mate Ohorere Oho Ka, no Rauwaipu Ngati Parau, both who are Te Reo Māori authors. Kihingatai QSM no Ngaiterangi me Ngati Ranginui for his contribution to oratory in Tauranga Moana. Vera Morgan QSM no Te Mahurehure for her services to the community and Kapahaka. Tata Wairukuruku Maire no Ngati Naho. Ngāti Mahutaki Tainui, Ngāti Poporo, for services to her community, to music and kapahaka. Te tohu aroha mō ngoi kumerua pe 
Whakarongo Titiro Kōrero Award went to Te Onehau Phyllis no Ngāti Awa for her services in nurturing and promoting Te Reo Māori. Te Tohu Toi Ke, Te Wakatoi Award for Making a Difference, the recipient was Tayaroa Royal no Tiaroa Ngāti Raukawa for his contributions to the arts. Now he is one of the top modern dancers and choreographers in Aotearoa. Nā karahipi a te wakatui, te wakatui scholarships. One of the awards was given to Māori artist and city art gallery curator. He's also a tewetewete reviewer, Ruben Friend, no Ngāti Maniapoto. And another award was given to tāmoko practitioner, Taryn Berry. Nā reira, kia koutou katoa, nā kai tohu tohu i nā pō, i raro i te maru o te wakatui. Neira, te mihi maioha, kia koutou. Nā koutou nei, nā tauira, matata katoa. It may have been a few years since this song was released on their debut and self-titled album, Iwi, but music continues to be a passion. As I found out when I caught up with former member of the Ōtaki-based group, yep, I'm talking about Iwi, Keelan Ransfield. It was a reunion of sorts for the group at this year's Pau Pau Pau. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National, Te Ahikai, Pau Pau Pau. And um, I've been sitting in the green room for about the last 20 minutes and uh, who was sitting sort of close to me was Keelan Ransford. Kia ora, Keelan. Back in the 90s when I was working in Iwi Radio for 10 plus years, you know, we used to play a lot of your music and especially with Iwi. What have you been doing these days? Um, we've been keeping busy because the whānau came along and we had to, you know, mum's in Taihoa and um, so I've been sitting at home. I've been busy working hard trying to make sure that we've got everything for our whānau. You're Levin-based? Yep, living in Levin still. Oh, and, and out at a little place called Kuku in between Ōtaki and Levin. Okay. And um, busy at our marae to Kurehe, um, working hard, keeping our marae going. We've been to um, to Kurehe, they do this recycling programme in yes, the Marakai mara right. here. Yes, and, and we've done restoration of our wetlands down at the beach line. So we've been very busy at home and... Um, now we're trying to focus on our rangate because now all our babies are starting to grow up. Um, this year, my, my big girl turns 21, so I'm buzzing Whoa. out this year. So, um, yeah, on the music scene, Buzz, we, we're just starting out. We've got a new little crew put together. And we always, myself, always wanted to put out more than just one CD because I think we had a couple of kete full of waiata. And, um, and I think those waiata are still... Relevant for today's rangatahi and relevant to try and push messages that it's better fight being Māori and fighting to be be Māori and tino rangatiratanga than what some of our kids are getting into at the moment is gangs, um, drugs, all those things that that bring our people down. So we're back again with our message to promote positive messages to our rangatahi that um, being Māori is better than anything else. Be proud and stand up and say you are Māori. So, Keelan, just to clarify that all, you were with Iwi. Yeah. But you did a few solo tracks back in the 90s? Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple of years ago, we got together with uh, a crew over here called Doughboy Records. Doughboy Records? Yeah, so we've been, we released an album under the scope of a Tikurua Aroha called um, Kamate Kaora. And so we've got a few of our old tracks on there, like Kapiti, Kamarama. So, yeah, and some of the newer stuff that we've been working on. And um, so we just showed up here tonight at Pau 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 to show the whānau that we're back, we're ready. Wicked. 
and we want to rock. Man Keeling, like you were like the Stan Walker in the nineties. <laughs> the New Zealand Idol show program started up. My big brother rung me and says, "You know, geez, if that only had to come along a few years earlier, maybe that might have been you." But I'm glad we didn't go down that road. <laughs> well, you guys, um, you know, um, did your own. The thing is, with manufactured pop stars, they've got a handle on a silver platter. You guys right, were right. co-puppet-driven. I did talk to um, Kimo Winniata, another member of Iwi, who said that um, the co-puppa, in, in his, um, according to his whakaaro, um, Iwi became, um, you know, more members jumped on board. Uh, the co-puppa, maybe um, you shifted away from the co-puppa that Iwi originally started with. What's your take on that? Just with the different members that were starting to jump on board and come up, they were bringing their own feeling and their own style to the band, and and it was we were slightly going away from our copa band. I think that's why we went a little bit quiet there for a little while because we needed to reassess who we are, where we were, and where we wanted to go. Um, our main copa was still to promote, promote positive vibes and positive messages to all our whanau. So you know, I had to really pull Kim onto line and and tell him, look, bro, it's not about you, it's about the copa. Kimball's over there giving him a bit of cheek. <laughs> He's saying, "Cut, cut, cut, edit." But um, you know, um, you know, they say that some people are blessed with a gift, and some of us don't use them all the time. And so that's one of the things that we've tried to maintain is, is our gift to try and show our rangatahi and our own tamariki that if you have gifts, to try and get out there and show the world that you have them. And so you know, bands like Herbs and that that had started up that were Maori. You know, they led the way for us to come in from behind. A lot of our whanau said, you know, you need to go overseas and start promoting the kaupapa overseas. But our people live here in Aotearoa. Why would we want to go and promote the kaupapa to Australians or to the English or to the Americans? We need to teach our own people first. And that's why we've never really been anywhere and stayed home and, and stuck true to who we are. Kaitoa tukitera, kia ora Keelan. Keelan Ransfield. Enga iwi kua tatamutu te hōtaka nei ate ahika. That wraps up the show for another week. Aneira a Glennis Philip Barbara no Ngati Pano with this week's Fakatoki. Matua Fakapai tau marae, ka Fakapai aite marae o te tangata. Clean up your own marae before trying to do the same for someone else. So we all know about this one. This is actually about making sure our own kokona is uh, neat and tidy before we even imagine that we have the right to comment about others. Kia He mihi tēnei ki ngā kai kōrero me ngā kai whakahaere tapu-tapu. Hoki mai hei tērā wiki, mauri ora tātou katoa.